Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and, and let's just open them up and let's get into this. And I feel like God has is, is, is speaking so much today. Um, but, but I want to continue uh, truly where we left off at. And, and uh, I pray that everything that is being spoken and, and being offered, that you really allow it to stir. That today that many of you will consider all of this stuff and uh, all, all, everything that we're mentioning and, and even this, this, this amazing ministry um, to, to really make an impact and we've learned that our impact is powerful on a one-on-one, on a one-on-one doing life um, together. And that's where the great impacts happen in people's lives. It's over coffee. It's over dinner. It's over a slice of bread and just having. You've ever, you, uh, you've ever done that with someone. You recognize that what should only take you 30 minutes sometimes lasts three hours. Last three hours. And then you're like, whoa, how, did, how, how was it that three hours, four hours, six hours just passed us? And it's a beautiful thing because that's what we were created to do, to help each other and speak to one another. And I think that this is an amazing opportunity and, um, and, and, and that this word, even for them, that we, that we can conquer it and that these families will be conquered in, in, in hope and in the love of Christ. Amen? We're going to continue uh, with that theme. We can conquer it. You should go ahead and just take out your notes from, from last uh, week. Um, this, this week we had uh, just an amazing week across our church um, if you were in Hub, in our Hub group uh, gathering on Tuesday, I don't know about you guys, but I, I, I hung up from that Hub or I disconnected from that Hub um, Zoom gathering, and I was just truly blessed and honored uh, to be alongside all of those that were there and to be part of such a, a powerful and beautiful, intimate, transparent gathering in the Word of God and even with our testimonies and struggles in our lives. If you were there in a hub, I, I can't even, I'm sure if I say, hey, come up here and share a testimony, I'm sure you could probably share something. Uh, but what a powerful, uh, a special moment we had. How many of you could say amen to that on Tuesday? So, so be in tune to that. We're going to continue with our hub season that we're in. And, and uh, it's a small group setting, though right now it's on Zoom. And maybe soon and very soon we'll be able to do this again um, publicly in locations to do life together. Uh, but, but just don't miss out. We're, we're having an amazing show, and we want to see all of you guys get involved in that. God is doing something. Then yesterday, we had men's. Men's was so, uh, to see men, for, for those men that are married, and for, and for some of you ladies that, some of these men are single and all that, I want you to know something. It is such a beautiful thing to see men come to a park under a pavilion at 9 o'clock in the morning, and to watch them just be very transparent. And yesterday was so beautiful to see that transparency and openness. And, and, uh, and that's what us men need. Like if I'm going to wake up at 9 in the morning, get with you on the pavilion, and it was a little chilly yesterday, a little, it was weird, a little wind kicked in. Like I don't want anything fake or, or anything like, oh, my God, I just wasted my time. And what we experienced when we come together and what we experienced uh, yesterday was so special um, to see men just do life together uh, for, the, for that two hours or so. So men, jump into it. God is really doing something uh, special and beautiful as we gather as well as the ladies as they're going to meet this week, all the women. Amen? So God is really doing something special as we're gathering and, and lifting us up. So, so amen. In Numbers, we, we've been on Numbers uh, 13, uh, Numbers uh, 14, and we read through it uh, last week. And if I read through it, I feel like I'm going to get new material and then go off and keep preaching so this is what I'm going, I'm going to be <laughs> very honest. You need to, if you did not listen to last uh, week's message, I, I, I really just ask you to please do that at some point today or this week because listening to today's message without listening to last week's message may do a disfavor. You, you, you really have to go back to last week and, and listen to the introduction of it because that's where we read verse by verse all throughout those two chapters and really, was, we got this introduction of what God was really telling us. And it was a powerful, uh, I, I thought it was a, a, just a powerful time together in his word last Sunday. And uh, so you need to go back. You need to visit that. 
And um, I believe that you're going to be blessed by, by last Sunday's message. If you were here last Sunday, how many of you would say amen? You should go back. Huh? And for those that are watching, if they're watching, or if they're going to be, this is going to be shared and someone's going to watch it, they need to go back and listen to part one of uh, <clears throat> We Will Overcome. So we're going to just continue here. And we've been speaking in Numbers 13 and 14, a very important uh, time um, in, this, in this book and in these passages of what happened here to the people of God. Um, we know that uh, the Israelites, they, they went ahead, the Hebrew people, they, they leave Egypt, better said, and as they leave Egypt, they're in the promised land, and I mean, they're in the wilderness, and they're aiming towards the promised land. And as they're aiming towards the promised land, these 40 years or so, they're, they're at the brink of it, they're right there, they, they know that the promised land is right on the other side. And we talked about that, and we read through some of the leaders uh, of these families, of the 12 tribes, and what they were called to do. And if you remember, they were to go explore the land or spy out the land and to see what they found there and, and to bring back a report. And they brought back a report. It's exactly what God said. The, the land is blessed. The land is abundant. It's a land of milk and honey. It is a beautiful place. And they bring back clusters of grapes so much that Leaders together had to, they put them on a pole and they had to hold them from one end to the other end of the pole to bring it to, the, to Moses and to Aaron and to show them the pomegranates, the, the figs and the grapes that was in biblical Canaan, in Canaan. And, and it's exactly what you said. There's water and there's life. And remember that. That's what we spoke about last week. And there was 12 of them that were on this mission. There was 12 of them that were on this journey. But as they come back, out of 12 of them, 10 out of the 12 um, were a little discouraged because they said, yeah, it's, it's great and it's beautiful, but there's giants in the land. There's enemies in the land. The offspring, the Amalekites, they're, all these, the Jebusites, they're, they're all there and, they're, and we are like grasshoppers before them. Surely we can't do this. For they'll beat us, they'll destroy us, they'll conquer us. And we learned that the leaders or these spies that were sent by Moses and Aaron, and they were to go and on this mission and to bring back faith and to bring back word of what it was that God had promised them. And, and we said something last week that I, I want to kind of just touch again. And we said, if you've ever had a problem... And many of you are like, yes, amen. Have you ever, ever had a problem that has stood before you, has come against you, and stood there right in front of you knowing that there's a blessing on the other side? Man, the Lord called me to do this, but yet I'm experiencing this problem. I know that there's a blessing for me, and I know that there is this, this specific blessing for me, but yet there is a problem that has risen up, or there is problems that continue to rise up. And many of you can be like, yeah, I know exactly what that looks like. There's always a problem. There's always an obstacle. There's always a heartache. There's something that comes up always. And, and, it, and, it, and it battles me. It, it affects me to try to get to that promised land, to that blessing in which God I know has for me. But it's like every time I know that God has this thing for me or he wants me to get to this place, it's like these these. these these fighters stand in the middle and I have to like combat them. I have to conquer them in order to get that which God is calling me to. Have you been there? And that's what is presented in these chapters of Numbers. And we see that these ten men specifically, these spies, and they were to be leaders. They were to be men that led their, the twelve tribes, the families. But instead, they just give up on the mission. My gosh, that is the promised land that God is calling you to. But instead, they're like, no. And I know exactly what that's like. Where I've said, I know God's calling me to this. But then, you know, things get a little difficult or you know it's going to be difficult. And you say things like, but it may be right now, it's not the right time. We shared about that last week. Oh, and we give excuses. Oh, it's just not the right time. Oh, maybe, maybe I heard wrong. Maybe it's just... Being emotional. Remember that maybe, maybe this word was, or maybe this thing is for someone else. It's not really for me. And we make all these weird excuses of stuff to what God's calling us to, and we don't accept it. I am at a place personally where I'm, I'm stirring it up in my wife, and, and I am, and, and I know that God's called me to something for five or six years. 
And, and finally, I'm, I'm starting to take steps to, to, to go forward in it. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to test the Lord and just say, Lord, I'm being obedient. Everything in me does not want to get uncomfortable. Everything in me just wants to stay, you know, in, 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 a, in a very complacent place because, you know, it feels good. But, but God's like, yeah, that, that's not what satisfies you deep down inside. And he, he's causing, again, this uncomfortable feeling. He's, he's causing this stirring that says, what are you going to do now at this moment with what I'm calling you to do? And, and the only answer that I could come up with is, well, Lord, I'm going to have to be obedient. I'm going to have to be obedient and fight off that which is lazy. Obedient and fight, fight off that which is comfortable. I'm going to have to be obedient and come against giants that are going to present itself and say, how oh, that is a bad idea and say, not if God has called me to it. And that's just a personal thing. And, and as the months come, I'll, I'll, I'll share some of those things with you and what they are. But as these 10 leaders were complaining about we can't do this in verse 30, we said that Caleb stands up. In the midst of all these leaders and in front of Moses and Aaron, it says he tries to quiet the people. And what does he tell them? He says, let's go at once to the land and let's take it. And then the second thing he says, well, we can surely, we can certainly, we can conquer it. We can conquer it. And the verse that we were really sitting on, the verse that we were really emphasizing was Jesus' words to his followers. When Jesus says in John 16, he says, for you will have what in this world? In this world, you will have trouble. You will have tribulation. You're going to have problems. Jesus says that to his followers. You're going to have these things. But what does he say? But as I've spoken these things, though, know that in me, though, in me you will have what? Peace. In me you will have peace. But in this world, you're going to have trouble. In this world, you're going to have tribulation. And then he doesn't just leave you hanging. Uh Uh-huh. And what? But then he says, but be of good cheer. Find courage and find strength because I have over." come this world amen i've overcome it and those were jesus's words in john 16 33 and and what is caleb saying here as we continue here with this story what caleb is saying and what he said publicly was we can conquer it we can conquer it and then jesus we see in the new testament he's also saying i have conquered this i have overcome this i've overcome the world and it's, as we read through the pages of Scripture and as we read these stories, it's, it's, I have to ask myself and I have to ask you, well, what are you saying? And what will we say today? Will we echo the words? Will we believe in these words? Will we believe in that? Wait a minute, but the Scripture really says that I'm more than an overcomer. The, the Scripture really says that I'm able to conquer. What are you saying? Are you also repeating the words of Caleb? Are you also in agreement with the words of Jesus? That's the question. What are you saying right now in your obstacle, in the promised land that God's given you? I am seeing a promised land on the other side personally in my life. But I know that to get to that promised land, there's obstacles that I'm going to go through. But I'm saying now, as I'm going to enter this, I'm saying what? I'm going to conquer it. I'm going to overcome it. Why are you doing that already? Because to get there, I'm going to come in agreement already with what Jesus has said. I'm going to echo the words of those that have what? That have said it and done it, that have come before us. Standing on the shoulders of such people like Caleb and Joshua. And we've come to learn that every promised land, and if you didn't write this down last week, you should. Every promised land, has obstacles, obstacles. It comes with obstacles that we are to overcome. And that's what we've come to learn in our lives. It has difficulties. It has problems. But the truth is not many will stand before them to overcome them and to conquer them. Think about what I just said. Twelve go out and statistically do the stats. Twelve go out. Twelve go out. And ten of them come back. And they return. And ten of them allow the difficulty and the obstacle to grip them with fear. Ten of them. Two of them step up and they return. And that's Joshua and Caleb. And when they come back, <clears throat> it says the land, is, it's beautiful, it's bountiful, and it's blessed. Milk and honey is flowing 
And what was different about Joshua and Caleb than the other ten is they were gripped with faith. You see, I think that this story is so powerful, and I said this last week, but I want to ask you this question for a moment, and I'm just going to read something real quick from Numbers 13. From Numbers 13. Have you ever have you ever heard of Sether? None of you. Show me your hands if you have. Have you ever heard of Nabi? Okay. Have you ever heard of Goel? I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. Forgive me. These Hebrew names whack me out. G U E U E L. I don't even know if that's the way. You, that's a weird way of spelling the name. G E U E L. You ever heard of him? I'm, I mean, I'm talking about leaders. Have you ever heard of Amiel? If you raise your hand, I'm going to say, well, what did you hear about him? (laughs) Have you ever heard of Gadi? G-A-D-D-I, nobody? Have you ever heard of... Now, the Cuban will say it's Gadiel. But Gadiel? Nobody? How about Palti? How about Eagle? Sounds more like a Viking than a Hebrew. How about Shaphat? Uh, how about Shamua? I know a Shamua. I know a Shamua. No, yeah, yeah. Right. Shamua. You ever heard of those names? I just named you ten names. You ever heard of them? You ever heard of those names? They have no what to their lives? No legacy. They have no legacy. Their names are not remembered. What, they, what did they do? Now, I'm going to give you two more names. Have you ever heard of Joshua? Give me one thing about Joshua that you're, you're nodding your head with confidence. One thing. When do you know one thing about Joshua? Yeah, what? Walk, walls of Jericho. Beautiful. We know about Joshua and his leadership. He led, the, he led them into the promised land. You've ever heard of Caleb? We're talking about him today. Yeah, absolutely. I want, you to, I want you to recognize this because when I read the Bible like this, I, I read this carefully and I say, okay, Who do I want to be in my life? Do I want for my children and my children's children to be the offspring of Joshua and an offspring of Caleb or the offspring of those that fell short and what? Lived in fear rather than those that took steps of faith. Those that said, no, quiet. I know that it doesn't look normal. I know this doesn't look reasonable. I know it makes no sense. But the Lord has spoken this and we will conquer it and the land is ours. Or will we say, no, you know what? The giants are too big and really at the end it's not safe and we should instead play safe and we should maybe not. Like think about who you need to decide who you're going to be now in your faith and serving the Lord going forward. Because these are moments and days 2021 are moments and days which I don't think for once are going to get any easier. I don't think for once it's going to get easier for the church. I don't think it's going to get easier for the Christians. But I will tell you that if you take the stance of Jacob, um, of Joshua, and of Caleb, I'm telling you, though, it's not going to get easier. It is going to get a whole lot more glorious, though. It's going, to get, it's going to be so much better, but it's going to bring forth so much difficulty. And, and I believe this, and I've shared this in a little private conversation. I believe that what the Lord is doing and reminding us as we get into this, to this passage for these weeks that we're in it, it is a reminder that these are the moments for the war. I mean, Omar came up here, and he said, there's a song that has been in my heart for the last couple of weeks. And he says, it's the song. It's an old song. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And I'm like, how convenient, and he shared that with me a little bit in men's group, and how convenient that he would come up here and share that again, because that's exactly what I feel that the Lord is doing. This is a moment for the warriors of God, men and women of God, that are gripped with faith and are able to overcome the fears of their life to what? To take the lands that God has promised them. The Lord is with us, ladies and gentlemen, sons and daughters. You are all, we are all called to be mighty warriors that come in the stance of fear, stand before the lies, come before the obstruction and say, no, God said it, God will do it, I will overcome. And that's, that's the reality of what we're reading here. 
And that's what's happening. Ten come back gripped with fear. Two come back gripped with faith. And all I'm going to tell you to write down in your notes is this for right now. How about this? Ready? How about your problem is not the giants? How about your problem is none of that? Because think about what they went through. Ready? Ten of them come back with these grapes, fig, and pomegranates. And they have like a half smile because they have good news, but they also have a lot of bad news that to them was greater than the good news. The other two came with great news, and for them, the great news was better than the bad news. And I want you to think about this. They both went to the same place, the ten and the two. They both experienced the same thing. They both brought back the same kind of um, uh, produce from the land. But what happened? Both groups, what? They both had what? Different perspectives. How about if I tell you it's not about the difficulty to get into that land. That's the problem. It's the perspective of the one that stands before the promise of God. That's the problem. So many times we look at the difficulty, like, I can never do it because that's just going to be impossible for me. And what is the answer to that? No, you're already lost because you've what? Committed yourself already to failure as you're standing before that obstacle. We shared last week that what? David looked at Goliath and said what? I'm taking him. And there were much more known, mighty uh, warriors, uh, popular, famous, more skilled with with a better uh, rap sheet than David did to be able to fight Goliath. None of them, none of them found courage on that day to say, I'm going to fight Goliath. But a shepherd boy that no one knew the battles he was having in private, he comes to the public realm, to the platform for God to be glorified, and he says, I'll fight him. Not with swords or shields or helmets, but I'll fight him with a slingshot and some rocks in my pouch. You look at that and you say, well, what's the difference? It was the perspective. The other ones were fearful because there was a giant that was harassing them. And David came in and he was faithful. He was faithful because there was a giant that was in his way. And he had to go down. It's about perspective. In a lot of our lives, if you have not noticed in this last year, this last year, many of the decisions you've made is because of what? Your perspective. Just the way you've seen things, just the way you've heard things, the way you've allowed information to come into you. You, you, you just decided things, and that's okay. That's your decision. But when it comes to the things of faith, when it comes to the things of God, like seriously, your, our perspective needs to be right. Our eyes need to be right. Our heart needs to be right. Our mind needs to be right. And here are 10 individuals and then these other two individuals. And you could look at a blessing and have faith. And you can conquer the problems. Or you could look at the problems. You could look at it. And you could miss out on the blessing because you feel like I'm too weak to fight those things that stand before me. And all I could say is this, will you be gripped by fear because of what stands in the middle of what the Lord has promised you? Please listen. Or will you be gripped by faith to walk into his promises knowing that you are equipped to overcome and conquer problems? How many of you, and if you want to show your hands, you can because I think we could all relate to this. How many of you have problems in your own personal life? Amen. How many of you, man, almost, I don't know, I was like 98% of you. I think all of you raise your hand. Your own personal lives, all of you have problems. All right. How many of you have problems in your families? Yeah. How many of you have problems at your workplace? We have problems. Like, seriously, we should all just look, walk around and, and, and just start shaking hands and talking to one another. We all have problems. Every single one of us has problems. So what's the perspective now with all of us in our problems? The perspective is, do you have faith as you stand before your problem? Or are you living in fear as you stand before your problem? That's the difference between some of us. The difference between some of you, it's not that some of you have problems and the other ones don't. No, the difference is some of you are living in faith in those problems. The other ones are living in fear in those problems. And the outcome of both those individuals are two different outcomes. Yet, they're both experiencing problems. It's your perspective. What will you be gripped by? And you may be experiencing, and we're talking about the promised land, and you may be experiencing degrees of the promised land because the reality is I am the temple of God. I am that while living here on earth. We may be experiencing that, you know. 
the kingdom of heaven on earth because that's us. We are it. We are the kingdom of heaven on earth. Lord, when, when we want to experience your kingdom on earth. It's, it, that deals a lot with God in us, us in him. But the truth is, we know as scripture teaches us that we have one great promised land that awaits us on the other side of this life. And I don't know about you, but I, you know, one of my favorite people to talk to about this kind of stuff is Yoslan. Not here with us today, but when me and Yoslan start talking about, we don't talk about death, but we just talk about like, oh man, one day. And, and we just go off. And sometimes it's scary because, you know, it almost feels like, man, these guys sound like they want to die. And it's not that we want to die. We're just talking about like, we're talking about a promised land. And I believe it. That the journey to your promised land will always include overcoming and conquering problems. I said last week, if, any, if you've been sat under a teaching or been part of a church that says that when you come to Christ, things get, and the field gets better, and the flowers just blossom, and everything is just, man, no, I tell you, well, it was a false gospel. Because every single one of the followers of Jesus, every single one of the apostles, those disciples, they all what? Had to share. And they found what? Joy in sharing in Christ's suffering. So I believe it that if the Lord wants to call us to something beautiful, what he's going to call? He's also going to call a fighter out of you. An overcomer to come out of you. And you may say this, ready? Well, why? Why is God doing this? Why does the word teach this? Why would God want this for them here in Numbers 13 and 14? Why would God want this in me? Why would God do this? And all I could say to answer that why is because as long as we are on earth, as long as we're on earth, he is dealing with us and he is growing us. He is dealing and growing our faith. And that's what he's doing. And our faith does not grow. Our faith is not strengthened. Our faith is not fortified. Our faith is not greater established. Our faith is, it will not point to Christ if our faith has not been tested. 2 Corinthians 13.5, you should write this verse down. I'm going to give you some scriptures in a moment. But in 2 Corinthians 13.5, as Paul writes to the church of Corinth, Paul writes these words specifically in this verse. He says, examine yourself. Everyone ex say, examine myself. Yeah, it's scary. Examine yourself. Why should I examine myself? Why should I search myself? Why should I do an evaluation of myself? Look what he says. Examine yourself to see whether you're in the faith. Imagine reading this from Paul's day. If I write this letter to you and I mail it to you in your house and I say, hey, it's Pastor Rigo, I wanted to write this letter. Today I want you and your family to examine yourselves to see if you're either in the faith. How would you take that? <laughs> you know, here's Paul writing a letter and he tells him, examine yourself. Examine to see whether you're in the faith. And then he says what? Test yourselves. Test yourselves. And then he says, do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you unless, of course, you fail the test? Well, it's a powerful scripture. And he says, and he's writing to the church and he's telling them, examine, examine in the Greek. Uh, I'll share with you a little bit of the definition. It means to try whether a thing can be done. Examine yourself. It means to attempt. I like this word. Ready? To endeavor. Can you, how many of you, like, there's no more endeavor and there's, there's no more attempt. And God is saying, no, attempt again. Endeavor again. Come on. Get dirty again. Watch what I can do if you just, what, change your perspective and begin to live in faith. And, what, strip yourself from the grip of fear. Come on, endeavor again, examine yourself and, and test and see whether these things can be done. And that's some of the stuff that I'm telling you. I have, I have this faith and this stuff that's stirring up in me that in the next few months or whatever, I'm going to take this word and guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to test if something can be done again in my own life. I'm going to do it and hold me accountable. Why? Because I'm going to come up here on Sundays. I'm going to give testimonies of it. I'm going to invite you guys to some of it. And, I'm gonna, and I believe it's going to prosper and grow. Why? Because God's been speaking it to me for five and six years. So what am I going to do? I either got to what? Stop being fearful and just what? Begin again to be faithful and what? See, see if it could happen again. Come on. Endeavor again. Attempt again. Go and take your land. Go and say what? I can conquer it. I can conquer it. Come on. Who are you? Who are you? The ten the ten said the land is good, just like we expected, but the problems are fierce. Who are you? The land is good, but the land and the, 
The problems in the land are fierce. The giants are many and strong. The cities are impossible to penetrate. Or are you like the two, Joshua and Caleb? Let's go and take the land for we're able to conquer it. Very simple. Come on, try. Church, try whether this thing can be done. Attempt, endeavor. I asked you a very intimate question today and you have to be real with yourself to answer this you have to really examine yourself and I'm going to ask you with all love today has the fight left you has the fight left you if you're here today I think there's still a fight in you there's still a fight I've seen many many throughout this time that the fight has left them but I've also seen many that the fight has also what? Increased in their lives. Has the fight left you? Answer that to yourself there. I don't know. Has the fight left me? Or are you ready to say, I am going to try things for God that I know he's calling me to do and I'm going to take steps of faith knowing that he's going to give it to us. Is it because you've lost the grip of faith and maybe you've entered or you've entertained or you've been crippled with the grip of fear? I can't stress this passage again when Jesus says in John 16, he says, I have said these things to you. I'm going to repeat it and repeat it. Memorize it. That in me you may have peace. But in this world you will have tribulation. But you take heart for I have overcome the world. It's a powerful passage. Because I've recognized that in my world at times and in my own mind there's tribulation. <laughs> But I've recognized that in the midst of my tribulation, in the midst of my problems, in the midst of my obstacles, I've recognized that what holds me together is if I'm found, am I found in the peace of Christ, in the eternal peace that he gives. But take heart, for I have overcome. I like that he tells his followers to take heart. You should write that, take heart. You ever looked at someone, maybe you're a father, and you looked at your children, maybe your son, you say, come on, have some heart. Take heart. I love that Jesus says that because I feel like, as a, like a father, like a brother, like a firstborn of many, as scripture calls him. He looks at us and he says, take heart. Take heart. My son is attempting to be a baseball player now. And um, he's doing better as the weeks go on but he doesn't like when the ball hits him. So I instantly think of, of Zachary George, and the other day my son got hit, and I said, when you go to church on Sunday, I want you to ask Zachary how many times he's been hit by the baseball. And I thought, you know, the same age. And I'm telling my son, take heart. It's part of the game. To get better, you got to take hits. To get better, the ball's going to hit you. To get better, you're going to get hit in all different places. Your shin are going to come home bruised. And that's on my line. Yo, your arms are going to get hit. You might get one. I'm, I'm waiting for the one that he's going to hit him in the eye because he, you know, he's still learning the pop flies. And I'm waiting for that one. But, but you're going to get clocked in the face. And, but those things are going to teach you that, wait a minute, I did not like when the ball hit me in the eye. So I'm going to finally learn to put the ball, in um, the glove in front of my face. You know, take heart. To become better, you need to be willing to what? To go through the hits. You need to be willing to go through the problems, to go through the obstacles, to go through the trouble. This world, there is tribulation, but in me you have peace. But, but know this, I've overcome this world. Be a good cheer. Take heart. I've overcome it. And then sometimes I wasn't a great baseball player. My father lies to him all the time. Your, bro, your dad was a very, he's been a great grandfather. Your dad was a very good baseball. And I whispered to my, I don't want my son to know this. I don't want him to think that I'm the best at everything. But I whispered to my dad, like, you know, I wasn't. But my dad tells me, that was a great baseball player. I'm like, I really wasn't, dad. Your dad was a great baseball player. And I just look at Jackson like, yeah. And I'm like, no, I really wasn't. But I told my son, I'm like, listen to me. I used to play baseball. This is how you have to do it. Bend yourself. Put your knees. Put your butt down. Sit on your back. Put the glove down. He looks at me and goes, Dad, you don't play baseball. And I'm like, not now, but I used to. And I used to be a baseball coach and stuff like that. So, like, I kind of know a little bit. Like, do what I'm telling No, Dad, I got to I gotta listen to coach. You're, you're not a baseball player, Dad. And then I think he says things like, you're just a pastor and you're not a baseball player. 
And I almost feel like my relationship with my son is also my relationship with Jesus, you know? He's like, come on, take heart. I've done that. I've been there. I've also fought some of those battles. I've also gone through that. They've also mocked me and made fun of me. They also said it was impossible. They also said that I wasn't the truth. They also said that these things would never. But son, but son, take heart. In me you'll have peace. Take heart. Be a, come on, be of good cheer. I did it good. You're going to do it good too. Come on, but you got to go through sometimes the difficulties that it brings. It can't just be easy. If you haven't paid the cost and it's just been easy, then I don't know if there's really a faith. But because it's been difficult and because you have to remain faithful, there's been a faith that has grown. The most faithful people are those that have been what? Heavily persecuted. Those are faithful people. Those are the faithful people. Those that are willing to risk their lives. That put their, 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 their life, their families on the line because what? If it's meant to die for Christ, it is worth it. That's mind-blowing. Have courage. I wrote this down in my notes to have courage to take heart as Jesus says it. When you look at that phrase, it actually means that the faithful have courage and cowards are faithless. Cowardly people are faithless people. Courageous people are faithful people. You need to decide today, who am I? Am I the 10 cowards that were faithless or am I the two faithful that were courageous? Who are you today? Are you with me? All right, I'm just going to read some scripture real quick and let the scripture do what it does. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, it says, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. Amen? And this is the victory that has overcome the world. What is it? Come on, church. Our faith. Do you see how faith and overcoming are linked together? There is no way that you're overcoming and you have no faith. There is no way that a faithless person is overcoming. What do you mean? Overcomers are what? Gripped with faith. All right? Revelation chapter 321, it says what? The one who conquers. Everyone say conquers. Yeah, there it is again. I will what? Grant him to sit with me on my throne. As I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. I love all these verses. See, the promised land is for those who overcome. The promised land is for those who conquer. That's why when life gets difficult and, and, we, and I struggle and, and Nancy could speak uh, um, from more of a transparent place of who I really am and all that. Um, but the reality is there's still something in me that says, no, the last thing I, could, I have to do is cave in. The last thing I, I, I need to do is just stay stuck. Like, I need to now more than ever go forward. And that's, that's, that's the reality. The promised land is for those kind of people. It's for those that overcome and those that conquer. Listen, I don't want to just be in the outskirts of the promised land. You know where I want to be? I want to be close to where Jesus reigns. Why? I want to be right there next to him at all times. I don't want to just be like, oh, Rico's here. Yeah, he's here. But you have to travel a little bit that way in the promised land to get to him. Like, I want that when you, you, you find us, man, that we're, we're, we're with Christ. Why? How come you're with Christ? Because I'm an overcomer. And we've shown that with our lives that we could be overcomers. To overcome and to conquer, we're to have faith and to, and under to, to continue to, to grow in our faith. We must continue to conquer the problems that stand in our path. Come on, try to whether it can be done. Attempt, endeavor again. Go and take your land. You're able to conquer it. Come on, I'm telling you that we can conquer it. Amen? In 1 John chapter 4, 4, I'm just going to continue to read some scripture. It says, little children, you are from God. How many of you believe that you are from God? I do, 100%. I believe I am from God. You know why I believe from God? Because the more and the older I get living on this earth, I recognize that I what? I am not of this earth. The more I live on this, in this world, I recognize that I am a, citizenship, I am, I am a citizen of another, another kingdom. How many of you are gripped with that? That the more you're here, the more you recognize you're not of here. That the more you're here, the longer you'll be, you lo- the longer you'll be, you l- the, long, the, the, the greater longing you have to be up there. Yeah. There you go. And I've learned that. And he says, and he says just that, you're, you are from God. Little children, you are from God. And he says what? And you have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who's in this world. I look at all these scriptures that, that, that we could just grab out about conquering and overcoming. And I can say, man, I could conquer it. There's a promised land. Everyone say this. There's a promised land. But come on, like you want it. There's a promised land. Still a little weak. There's a promised land. There's a promised land. Come on, repeat after me. But there's what? Promised problems. Promised problems. 
There's a promised land, but there's promised problems. I promise you there's a promised land, but I promise you there are problems. Who's longing to get married here? There's a promised land. <laughs> there's a promised land. But I promise you there's problems. Yes or no? Married people. Oh, okay. Because then I'm the one that I really need counseling, deep counseling, because something's off. But, but there's problems. How many of you want a family? You know what happens when you put more ox in the stable? Scripture says what? Yeah, there's more poop to clean up. Oh, I want more ox in the stable. Well, guess what? There's more problems to scoop out. It's the reality. What, what am I trying to say? There's a promised land, but I'm telling you today that in Christ there is a promised land, but don't ever think that there's not promised problems. There's promised problems, but I don't care. And you shouldn't care. Why? Because we are more than overcomers. How many of you have overcome, overcome, how many of you have conquered problems of yesterday? How about a year ago? How about some five years? Come on, how, many of you have overcome 2020? Give your, man, hey man, you're an overcomer. Get it in you. Some of you have gone through some serious things. We talked about Nat last week. You know, Vanya. Our own personal stuff, our own lives, death in our families. We've overcome. Some of you have some serious stories in your homes, in your families, and you're still present in the Lord. What is it about you? You better put your chest out in the Lord and, and boast that I've overcome some great problems in my life. And as long as I'm living and I have breath, I'm going to continue to overcome the problems that this world brings. I can overcome. Amen? All right, let's keep reading some scripture. James 1.12, just to show you that there's promised problems. <laughs> James says, blessed is the man who what? Remains steadfast. Amen. How many of us love to remain steadfast? Right, but under trials. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which he has promised to those who love him. How many of us want a crown of life? I do. I can't wait to rock the crown of life and put it at his feet. But guess what? It's for those who remain steadfast under trial. I wanna, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, quickly come to an end on this, on, this, on, this, um, on this thought here. Because he says this. He says, he who remains steadfast on the trial. I like that word steadfast. Say it with me. Steadfast. Steadfast. Sounds nice coming out of your mouth. Steadfast. But that word, it actually means this. And you can look it up in the Greek and stuff like that and really see if I'm making this up or not. But it means to stay under. Seriously. I'm not lying. It means to stay under. Did you hear what I just read to you? Blesses the man who what? Who remains steadfast under trial. It's a faithfulness to stay under. The word steadfast, it means that there's an endurance in you. Not necessarily to run away from your trial, but there's a perseverance and endurance that you stay what? Faithful and you remain under your trial. How many of us have had problems and you've tried to run away from it? And God's like, come back to it and deal with it. Why? How many of you noticed that as much as you run for it, it always finds you? Why? Because you're never called to run away from your problems. You're called to what? Be steadfast. You remain faithful under the trial. Isn't Christianity beautiful? You remain under it under your problems, under your trials. For us, we are to remain. We are to stay under it. Listen, we are to endure through it until he says it is finished. We don't recede. We don't flee. We may suffer. And we remain under the problem. And we show our beloved. And we show the world around us that we hold fast to our faith in Christ Jesus. And we show the world and people, legacy, children, generations that come after us. We show them what? That we can conquer it. And if we conquered it, they can conquer it. They can conquer it. They can conquer it. I hope you really receive that. I, I read an article and I want to share it with you. It's from Jason Holcomb. And Jason Holcomb, 
and I'm going to ask Vanya to come up here and, and just get ready to close this off here. But Jason Holcomb, he writes an article, and I grab um, some snippets of it, and I want to share it with you because he titled this article, You Are More Than an Overcomer. How many of you can say, yeah. But the next thing he says is, but what does that mean? You're more than an overcomer, but what does that mean? And he goes on to say this, and I'm going to read some scriptures in Revelation. He says, in Revelation, one of the key themes is conquering through suffering. The number of occurrences of the verb, listen how amazing this is, to conquer, to conquer, it appears, and it's illustrated around 17 times in the book. And John describes amazing promises, addressing them specifically to those who conquer. I'm going to read some of them, not all 17, we won't have time for that. But one of them is found in Revelation 2.7. And he says, To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Amen. In Revelation 2.11, it says, To the one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. Revelation 2.17, To the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone with a new name written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. Revelation 2.26, to the one who conquers, who keeps my works unto the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. We're going to be over nations in eternity. In Revelation 3.5, to the one who conquers will be clothed with white garments, and I will never blot their name out of the book of life. I will confess their names before my Father and before his angels. Revelation 3.12, the one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven and my own new name. <laughs> Revelation 3.21. I, I think I end with the one that I already shared. To the one who conquers, we shared this one, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I conquered and I sat down with my father on his throne. Come on, conquer. We can conquer it. And he says this, Jason Holcomb. He says, how will these staggering promises come to pass? How will those who conquer do so with these heavy afflictions and persecutions? How will they find strength to endure and overcome against such all odds, against odds, all these odds? And the apostle gives the answer. He says, they will conquer by looking in faith to the one who has already conquered. In Revelation 5, 5, and 6, Jason Holcomb shares this verse, and it says, And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered, so that he could open the scroll and its seven seals, and between the throne and the four living creatures, and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain. What does John see? Behold, the lion. And I also saw what? A lamb. Isn't that crazy? So John describes Jesus in this vision right here in Revelation 5. He sees Jesus as both a kingly lion and as a meek lamb who has conquered all of our enemies. And he's the faithful witness. He is the firstborn of the dead. He is the ruler of kings on this earth. And he's also the one who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us a kingdom, a priest to his God and to his Father. We reign with him because he died and freed us and made us a kingdom for his glory. So I end with this. This truth is meant to encourage you in the midst of suffering. We follow a crucified Redeemer who by his death and resurrection has triumphed. Fear not, Jesus tells us, for I am the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore and I have the keys of death and Hades. Revelation chapter 1, verse 17 and 18. And it is a cry, it is a reminder and it is the cry in us to say, wait a minute, I too, I am an overcomer, and I will conquer it.
In Christ, I have peace. And in this world, I will have many troubles. But I fear not, I take heart. Because the one I serve and lives in me and I live in him has overcome this world. The waters that tend to drown me are the waters that he walks on. I can overcome it. Can you stand with me on this beautiful day? Lord, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for this awesome reminder that you give us today. Because, Lord, we've all admitted right here in this gathering that we all have problems, past problems, present problems. And we're not ignorant to the fact that there's future problems. And we know, Lord, that these are days and moments where we're very interesting and the Word of God is truly coming to a place where Christians are really going to have to figure out whether they're going to take a stance or not on many things in our own convictions and truth as the Word teaches. There's a lot of problems that we may face in the future. But I thank you, Lord God, because there's reminders all throughout Scripture that, Lord, we're more than overcomers. We are conquerors. And we know that the kingdom, that the land that is promised is made up of such. So, Lord, I pray over this room and every single person that's here that you would awaken the fighter within that you would awaken the overcomer within and that each one of us would come to that place that we would look at the land and say, let's take this land for I am able, for I am able to overcome. That every single person in here would not be gripped, Lord, with fear, but that we would be gripped with faith and that we would be filled with courage. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen the, the ones who maybe have become less courageous, maybe have fallen to a coward state. I pray that you would release them from that and that they would begin to roar like lions. That they would begin, Lord God, to conquer the obstacles, the tribulation, the problems that stand in the way of our blessing. So Lord, we thank you for this reminder. I pray that it will be a strength and an encouragement to everyone in this family, everyone that's here. So Lord, we love you, Lord. We praise you give you thanks today it's in jesus name and together we say amen come on give god some praise it's worthy Hallelujah. thank you lord remember as we go today that in the hype center there's going to be a setup there for for this ministry for this organization to to see if god stirred your heart for families and children make sure you sign up and, and register there for the interest meeting and also Ladies, you're on this Wednesday at 7.30. And remember these three words. Come on, let's say it together. You are loved. God bless you. Amen. Go in his love.